Isn't it amazing how he came? Now, just think about that for a second. Um, I often wondered about the the shepherds as they um, ran immediately. In fact, let me read Luke chapter 2 and verse 15. It says, The angels, uh, which when the angels had left, they, that is the shepherds, um, became, uh, began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing which is made known to, or which has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he laid in a manger. That, that's amazing to me. They, they go from the, the angels and they say, well, we've got to see this thing. This is going to be incredible. And they, they go and they see a, a baby in a manger. Baby in a manger. It wasn't a talking baby. It wasn't a dancing baby. It was just a baby in a manger. Just a norm, normal, ordinary baby. Babies are born all the time. There's nothing special. Um, in fact, apart from the manger, and that was the cue there, he's laying in a manger, that's kind of unique, that's kind of rare. Apart from that, they would have maybe even gotten the wrong baby. They would have never known. He was born in a very typical fashion. In fact, this story, it catches our attention because we, we don't quite understand the culture back then, and, and so it's unique to us, and so it grabs our attention but when you look at the Bible times in the context of, of Scripture, there's really not, it's not all that uncommon. These things are not without, outside the realm of possibility. It's not all that unique, really. It was not all supernatural, we might say. Uh, it, would, it would be common in that day for a ruler to say, hey, I want my people, I want to count the number of people that I have under my reign, and, and so I want everybody to go be uh, uh, go uh, take a census. To do that, you have to go to your birth or place of birth. It wouldn't be an uncommon for the people in uh, the northern part of Israel there, uh, Nazareth, to say, hey, are you guys going to Bethlehem? Yeah, we're going to Bethlehem. All the families maybe would have gotten together. We're going down there for safety in numbers to travel that far. And, uh, and, and so they, they take off together. They, they take the trip together. It wouldn't have been uncommon or within, without a reason to think that Mary, being so far along in her pregnancy, full term basically, to be a lot slower. And for everybody to ar- arrive in Bethlehem and, and fill up the, the uh, homes and, and the places to stay before Mary and Joseph would have gotten there. So they would have gotten there later. That would have been just common. That, it makes sense. There's nothing surprising here. It's... Uh, it's just normal, everyday stuff. It would have been common for the innkeeper even to say, hey, now we're full. But then to, to see Mary and say, you know what, or maybe even his wife stepped in and say, hey, you know what, we've got this place in the back. It's better sleep, better than sleeping out in the field. At least, at least you can have some shelter a little bit. So go back in the, and stay in this little shelter and you can put your baby in the manger. It's not that uncommon. In fact, the only thing that makes this uncommon, that, that makes this stand out, is the fact of who this is. That this is the true and the living God came to earth. <laughs> that's, that's what's special here. That's the little missing information 
that, that uh, needs to be shared here. Without that knowledge, you wouldn't have too much of a story. But with that knowledge, though, the, the angels can't hold themselves back. I mean, they're glorifying God in the, in the highest, it says. The wise men began to, to come from afar. We've got to go to see this thing, the wise men. And then you have the shepherds. They have to run. Let's see this thing. We want to see it. It's special. The kings even felt threatened just by the idea. But, but mostly it was just common. Christ's life was, was a pretty common life in his day. This is a pretty common story. Nothing really special. It would have been common for Mary and Joseph then to settle in that northern part of Israel, uh, uh, the Galilean area, that the little fishing village there in Nazareth. That wasn't not surprising. To take the, the money from the Magi, the gold, frankincense, and the myrrh, that, and, and trade that in and, and do some traveling back up from Egypt up to Nazareth and then maybe buy into a carpentry business to get all the tools that he needed to kind of establish himself so that the kids could have a place to grow up and just fit into kind of the, the middle class working family. Common, common, nothing surprising. In fact, Luke tells us in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, the very last verse in that chapter, that Jesus kept entrusting, or Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and statue and uh, in favor with God and man. He became a, a pleasant little boy to be around. He, he just kept growing. Again, common. What you would expect. Um, Isaiah tells us in the Old Testament, there's really, there's nothing special about his face to make him stand out within a crowd. There was no halo, nothing, nothing really surprising, nothing to see there either. He was just a common-looking man. The only thing that, that stood out really in his youth was his, maybe his intellect. At the age of 12, he goes into Jerusalem. The, the family is there, and, and they, they finally find him after three days of searching because of they had already gone back to... They find him and, and he's questioning the scribes and the Pharisees and asking them, asking them questions and answering some things. And, and he says that I must be about my father's business. So intellectually, he's, he's there and his focus is on his father's business and, and just a pursuit of righteousness early on. What is required of me? And maybe that, that would have stood out. But pretty much common. Until you, you come to the fact, we just keep coming back to, that this is God in the flesh. God in the flesh. And, and then when you, when you see that bit of information here, then everything turns around. And you, you ask the question, isn't it amazing the way He came? We would have expected so much more of, of God coming to earth. We would have expected more from this visit. More fanfare, more parades, like the song said. A, a grander announcement to more important people. Uh, uh, an exclusive invitation to the rich and the poor to, to kind of gather around. We're going to meet with God Himself. He's coming to earth. A grand display of His glory, of course, coming streaking across the sky, coming down to earth. That would be amazing. That's what we would expect. When we lived in Hershey, I, I think I've mentioned this before, 
we had the privilege of welcoming at that time the president, the President Bush, to our little town of Hershey, Pennsylvania. So there was 30,000 people crammed into this uh, um, football stadium and welcoming uh, the president. And, of course, he didn't disappoint. He had three helicopters come flying by and, and black helicopters. They landed there and, and people just cheering and, and hurrahing. And, and then he comes out on stage and it's just a whole fanfare. We welcome the president the way the president should be welcomed. Nothing, nothing of the sort. In fact, just the opposite. And, and so we, we sing, we, we say, isn't it amazing how he came? We, uh, we see, though, that Christ clothed himself in humility. In fact, you probably notice all of these songs were, were about his humility, his humbleness in coming to earth. And, and you look at Ephesians or Philippians chapter 2 and you, you see what's happening here. You see what's going on. Philippians 2 gives us the incarnation, but it kind of gives us the attitude of Christ before the incarnation. In Ephesians chap, or Philippians chapter 2, in verse 5, he says this, Have this attitude which is in yourself, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, although existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. He was, he was living all the glories of heaven, the God life that you would expect, that we would expect. And, and he, didn't, he didn't hang on to that. In his humility, he then came to earth. So his humility was demonstrated in his birth. But not just that, he goes on to say, being... And he emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man. So in his incarnation, in his birth, you see humility, that emptying himself of all the glories that were his and that he deserved. And in verse 8, being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. So he humbled himself in his life even, faithful Obedience to his heavenly father. Humble. And then you see even to the point of death. His humility was seen in his birth. His humility was seen in his life that he lived for us. And his humility was seen in his death even. Even to the point of death on the cross. Sacrificing himself. True humility. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Obedience. No pride. Christ clothed himself in humility. And that's unexpected. Christ should have come in all of his glory, in my opinion. So he's saying, isn't it amazing how he came? The thing is, is people miss it. They see the common. They, they see the, the every day. They just see the, the baby in the manger and they, they miss it. Because he's marked, I think, because he's marked in, in, and humility is the hallmark of his life. In fact, for the first 30 years of his life, there's really nothing that made him stand out. Not really. Except probably a righteous life among his, his siblings and his family. There was complete dependence upon his heavenly father, lack of pride. It wasn't like a, a false humility that we might see today of, 
of uh, 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 self-focused and wallowing in self-pity and unhealthy introspection. But this would have been a genuine, genuine humility, giving up of himself. No pride, no pride. So let me go back to Luke chapter 2. And so you could see that the shepherds, they go and see a baby. What is their response? Let me just point this out to you. When they had seen this, and that was their primary role, was to see this, to verify. Yeah, this is the announcement, and, and this was the cue, manger, and we go see it. It's in the manger. This is the baby that was talked about, and this is the one that we can verify. This is the baby in the manger. This is the one that was said. Let me remind you what was said in verse 11. For today in the city of David, there, was, there has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's the information that people needed to know. That's the information that was given to the shepherds. And they, in verse 17, when they seen, had seen this, they made known the statement. And that's the information that needed to be known. This is no ordinary baby in a manger. You need to know this. That this is the Savior. This is the Messiah. The Lord that was promised to come. Made known this statement which had been told to them about the child. About the child. And then in verse 20 it says, the, shepherd, or the shepherds went back. And here's the key. Glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. Now listen, they got it. <laughs> they saw more than just a, a baby in a manger. Now, they, they had seen angels. They had seen, they had spoken to this, this one angel, but then they, they saw the heavenly host uh, uh, praising God. They, they saw that and then they come and they're glorifying it. At this baby in the manger. Why? Because this is God with us. This is the information that you need to know. That this is no ordinary baby. He may look like it. Because of his humility and the life that he lived. But this is no ordinary person. No ordinary baby. This is, this is Christ the Lord. This is the Savior of the world. This is the one that we need. So they got it. They went away praising God. They were not disappointed at a baby in a manger. Because he didn't sing and dance. Now let's just apply this, just, just for briefly. I want to, how do we, how do we take this information? Number one, we need to know that, and the world needs to know, that there's missing information. If you're just looking at a baby in a manger, you need to know more. You need to know behind the scenes what's going on here. This is God with us. This is God Himself in flesh. So we, we don't make the mistake of, uh, of being fooled by the, the common. Just because He didn't come in the glitz and glory that we would expect, doesn't mean that He's not God in the flesh. Now, someday He's going to come, right? We'll see that. So we don't make the mistake of just looking at the common. We have to know the information. Number two, knowing the information is not enough. Just knowing, okay, uh, yeah, God with us, boy, that's good, that's great, glad He did that, it's so cool. You you have to know the identity of the baby, but you have to go beyond that, and you have to put faith in that little baby. You have to trust that little baby. You have to believe in that little baby. 
That's why the shepherds went away uh, glorifying God and they were rejoicing. They, we need to see our need for a Savior. And when you see your need for a, a Savior, then, then God sends this Savior. Then there's room, there's reason for rejoicing. So it's not just the information. You have to act on that information. You actually have to put your faith in this little baby. You have to follow this little baby. You have to become a disciple of this little baby. And believe in what he taught. And again, repent of your sinfulness that he died for. And then turn toward him and belief and faith and trust in him. And without that, you're going to go away disappointed. You're going to go away thinking, man, this is, this is kind of shallow. This is kind of nothing. There's information, and then there's acting on that information, and you must do that. You must do that. Now, here's what I see today, and just another way of applying this thing. As we have a Christianity today, I think this is just superficial, and I, I keep mentioning this, but it's just so true. And we talk about it in Sunday school, and invite you to Sunday school if you... Uh, would like to come. Good things that we're discussing. That we have a, a counterfeit Christianity today that's just looking at the surface and, and really doesn't see beyond that surface. And this counterfeit Christianity, I'm afraid, is more infused with pride than humility. And if it's if you're going to be if you're going to be a Christianity, it's going to look like Christ, right? He was clothed in humility. That was his attitude. And Paul encourages us have this same attitude. And God's church is going to have that attitude. And what we see the superficial Christianity that we see today doesn't quite have that attitude. We see more pride than humility. So just a a word of warning. Christ's church is actually going to reflect Christ, and that's going to be with humility. Humility. And number four, number four, and we'll, we'll quit with this. If you want to live that shallow life, that shallow Christianity, just kind of all the trappings of traditional Christmas. I mean, I, I love Christmas. This is one of my favorite times of year to, to do the things that, that we get to do like to go Christmas caroling. Like to, last night we went to see uh, Handel's Messiah. Wonderful thing. All the trappings of, of just, just the Christian surfacey kind of things that we do. Um, so to, to enjoy this uh, Christmas season, all you have to do is just enjoy your family. Put up the Christmas tree, decorate the home, uh, uh, wrap presents, put them under the tree. I mean, there's all kinds of things that, that we do. But we leave out the identity. We leave out the, the purpose. We're putting our face and trust in Him. It's just shallow, folks. It's just shallow. Genuine Christians, we've got to take a step further than that shallowness. All those things are good. We have to read the Christmas story. We have to see it for ourselves. We, we look in Scripture and search the Scripture what actually happened. Allow the Scripture to minister to us during the season. And then number two, we, we teach our children these things. 
that goes beyond the superficial Christianity. We teach our children, this is who this person is. You need to trust in Him. He is the one that we cry out to for salvation. We teach our children who this is. And then then we pray. We pray as a family together. We we pray and acknowledge Him, that, that He is the one that came. Acknowledge His authority and His kingdom, that He is King. And then number four, we, we sing, we sing. We go away rejoicing like the shepherds do. We sing in our, even in our families, we just, we sing. There's a, a hope there that doesn't die. There's a, there's a reality that causes the, the heart to just rejoice and to praise God. That's, that's a Christianity that the world can sing, but, but the heart is so important there. And number five, we can give gifts. We give gifts for the right reasons. We, we give gifts because Christ was our gift from God the Father. We give gifts. It's a wonderful thing this time of year. And let me tell you, it can be pretty shallow. You leave the identity of Christ out. You leave the purpose and putting your faith and trust in Him out. And it's a pretty shallow religion, pretty shallow time of year. And it can leave you empty. You could be a shepherd that just goes and sees the baby in a manger. Or you can go informed and say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to come away reflecting that reality in our life. Such a wonderful song. Isn't it, isn't it amazing how He came? Isn't it amazing how He came? The God of the universe, the God who created this sphere, this ball that we call earth, this ball that we live on, He created all of this. And He came to earth as a little baby. But really, isn't it amazing that He came at all? Isn't it amazing that He came at all? He could have just left us to our own devices. But He came to save us. That's an amazing fact. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I think we have one more song. Father, we thank You for Your your sending Your Son. Father, we thank You even broader than that. We thank You for the redemptive plan uh, that You established before the foundation of the world, before we had even sinned, you had established these things that the Son was going to come and do this. We see your sacrificial love and, Lord, we see your glory in all of this. And we, we say it's amazing. It's amazing to, to look at the humbleness of a God who created everything. What an amazing thought. Lord, may we reflect that humility. Lord, may we go into this Christmas season with joy in our heart, with full reality in our lives that that we put our faith and trust in You, in Christ, Your redemptive plan. Father, thank You for sending Your Son to die on the cross for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.